0: Good morning, Lakeview Church. Uh, So good to be with you and looking forward to sharing God's word with you. I do want to welcome all of you, uh, whether you've been here many, many, many Sundays or whether this is the very first time that you've been here. Uh, We just want to say welcome to you, and I do want to welcome those who are joining us online whether you're watching this live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we're glad that you're here. We know that some of you gather with us every single week online because that is the only opportunity you have to connect with our church family. And we just wanna welcome you. We wanna say we love you and we're glad you're part of our church and you might be joining us for the first time online today. And we wanna just welcome you as well. So Lakeview Church, can we welcome those who are joining us online? If this is your first Sunday here, I know I met some people this morning who uh, this is your first Sunday and just wanna again say welcome to you. We are so very glad that you're here and uh, we wanna do whatever we can to serve you and to help you in your journey of faith. So so again, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Chris Williams. I get to serve here as the lead pastor and it's just a joy for me to be able to, to serve in this role and to get to share God's word with you today. Before we jump into the series, I want to take a moment, and I don't think they're here with us this morning. If they are, you'll help me because you've seen them. I haven't seen them here today. Uh, Jim and Roxine Lowe are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary this weekend, and I don't believe they're here with us because I think Jim is traveling for the Crossroads District visiting another church this morning. But can we just honor them anyway and, and just celebrate with them 50 50- years I think when people make it to milestone marks like that in a marriage covenant, it is worth celebrating uh, in a world where we have lots and lots and lots of people who uh, have not been able to fulfill that commitment that they made at an altar so many years ago. When we see people who set that example for us, they're worthy of our honor. And so we do celebrate the way God has worked in and through their lives and their marriage. Today, we're starting a new series called Extraordinary Relationships, or ER for short. And when you hear the word ER, you might be thinking about uh, negative thoughts, right? Like the ER isn't something that you enjoy experiencing. And the reality is, is that there are lots of us in our lives who might be in a place right now where when we think about our relationships, Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's the community that we belong to or a part of. Maybe when we think about relationships, the emergency room is more of what we think about because there's strain and there's, there's, there's pressure, and maybe it feels as if our relationships are struggling a little bit, maybe even stumbling right now, maybe on their path to an, a bad place. And, and what I want to just encourage you with, if you find yourself in that place today, this series was designed for you. And if you find yourself in a great place today in relationships, this series was also designed for you. Because relationships, you can't just lock them in. Right? You can't just say it's good, and that means it's always going to be good. Relationships take work. And so if you find yourself in a place where your relationships are headed to the emergency room, this series is for you. We're gonna look at biblical wisdom that I think will apply in helping us move towards extraordinary relationships. And if you find yourself in a place where your relationships are great today, first of all, be thankful to God that that's what's happening in your life. But also take note of what we're gonna talk about in this series because there is likely coming a day when your relationships will be in a place where they're feeling that strain or that pressure. And so uh, hopefully something we share in this series will be helpful. We're going to talk about lots of different things throughout this series, how we're made for relationships. We're going to talk about how we deal with conflict and how we move towards resolution and reconciliation. We're even going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about celibacy and singleness. We're going to talk about sexual ethics because we can't really talk about relationships without considering those important topics in today's world. And so all of that's going to be a part of this series. But today... I'm kicking off this series with a message that I'm calling a matter of the heart. Because at the end of the day, relationships really are a matter of the heart. You see, before we ever go out and begin to interact with other people and talk about all of the intricacies of our engagement with other people and how we treat people and how we interact with people and how we build good relationships, the reality is is that it all begins deep on the inside of us. We talked about this in our series in January, the Inside Out series, which if you weren't here for, you can go back to our website and listen to those messages. And I would encourage you to do that because we really talked about how God works in our lives. And the reality is, is that God's work very rarely, if ever, begins on the exteriors, God doesn't just work on the stuff that people can see. He doesn't just work on the, the way we show up in the world and how we interact with others. In fact, when God goes to do work in our lives, he often begins at the deepest part of our lives and he begins to transform us on the inside. This is why Christianity isn't just a set of rules and regulations to follow. It's actually relational. It's it's letting God into the innermost parts of our life and letting him shape and form us. And then that transformation works its way outward into the way we live in this world, the way we relate to people, the way we make a difference in the world around us. And so today, before we talk about any of the other stuff that we're going to talk about in this series for relationships. We're just going to start right in our hearts because relationships are a matter of the heart. And scripture speaks to this. In Proverbs 4, 23, this is what it says. says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, the reality is, is that every single thing in your life, it all begins in your heart. If you have a heart that's healthy and vibrant and alive, then everything else in life is gonna be better. I promise you. And if you have a heart that's sick, or that is poisoned with sin, or has scars from things that have happened to you in your past, and you've never found healing for that, guess what that does? That makes your heart unhealthy. And when your heart is unhealthy, it impacts every other part of your life, including your relationships. So before we talk about anything else, we're going to talk about our hearts this morning. And I'm talking to you as someone, not just as... A person who studied some verses of scripture and I'm gonna tell you what they say but I'm also a client and I can always count on Dory (laughs) I can always count on you Dory you're always with me you get me I like that I like that yeah I'm not just somebody who's trying to sell you something this morning I'm someone who is a client I I have gone through some experiences in my life where my heart was unhealthy, sick, hardened, scarred, damaged. And it made me unhealthy at the core of who I was. And it impacted every part of my life. And this morning, just for a few minutes, I'm going to do something that I have never done publicly. I've shared this story that I'm going to share with you. I've shared with a few people in one-on-one settings or in very small groups, Um, but today I just want to take a few moments and share a little bit of my story and how my heart became unhealthy and how it took me down a very dark path in a very dark season of my life. And this wasn't some, some long, long time ago before I met Jesus. This was after I'd been walking with Jesus for quite a while in my life. In fact, I'd been serving as a pastor for seven years, and I'd been here on staff. Some of you remember that. And you were so kind, and you put up with this immature brat and helped me grow up a little bit, just a little bit, and um, not in height. I still stayed short but 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 he did help me grow up a little bit in faith and ministry and then we left here and we went to plant a church in Denver Colorado and when we went there, we didn't have a congregation. There was no one there who was part of our church. We had to go find people and invite them into Bible studies and prayer groups and, and, and build relationships and connect with people and invite them to become a part of our church. And so in order for our family to be able to move there and live, it was as if we were kind of like missionaries. We, we raised support. And so we had conversations with individuals and churches and organizations that we knew. And we asked them, to, to send money to the district that was sponsoring our church plan. And then the district would use those resources to, to kind of pay us and help us do the work that needed to be done to get the church started and to provide for the needs of our family while we were doing that work. And, and the idea was that I would work part-time while I was there, which I did. And then the other half-time, the district would pay me and I would work uh, to help get this church started. And we had lots of conversations with lots of friends and, and people uh, you know, were generous. They, they gave of their resources to see this work get started and we were grateful for that. There were two organizations in particular that I talked with and one of them uh, said that they were gonna cover the rent of the space that we were gonna use to meet in on Sunday morning. They said, well, well, we wanna see the lease agreement, we wanna look it over, and once we do, we'll, we'll agree to whatever price it is, and then we'll pay that money directly to that organization or that group to cover the rent of your space. And so, so we said, man, that, that's a huge blessing because that covers a significant aspect of what we need to have a place where we can gather on Sunday morning and begin this church. And so, so that was like, check. God's providing. Thank you, God. And then there was another organization that I had a relationship with and, and loved deeply and, and that was led by a leader that I respected and, and looked up to and thought, thought that, that I could trust. And, and so they said, we want to we support you at a significant amount. In fact, this organization signed on to support us at an amount that was higher than any other organization. It, it, was, it was really kind of a building block of our fundraising support, almost a third of what we needed. And that was a huge provision from God. So we packed up our stuff and we loaded it in a big yellow truck and we drove it to Denver, Colorado and we moved into this town home that God had provided for us on Waco Street. And we started going to the park across the street and we hung out there a lot. And we would just strike up conversations with people and begin to invite them into our home and build relationships with them. We visited, we had little kids. We visited every play group within a 10 mile radius. We went to Barnes and Noble and played with all of the trains back in the little kids area and met other families and invited them to be a part of this church and God was leading us into relationships with people. We had a guy that came to the very first Bible study we ever uh, offered uh, in our home, and we had never met him. We had never even laid eyes on him. He just showed up at our front door, and, and we were like, why are you here? How did you even know about this? And a lady that we had met and invited, she invited him. She worked with him, and she thought he should come to this Bible study too, so Jamie showed up at our house, and. And, uh, and he was not a church person at all. I mean, it's the only Bible study I've ever led where the F word was used like 10 times by Jamie, not by me, but by Jamie. And, and, and he was just, he was completely raw, completely had no idea what it was to study the Bible, didn't know who Jesus was. And we had an opportunity over that first year to lead 22 people to faith in Jesus. And it just seemed like God was working and and we started having services. But here's the thing, right in the middle of all of this work that God was doing, the organization, remember they said they were gonna pay the rent of our building after the first rent check was due and the rent didn't show up to our landlord, I reached out to them and they said, Yeah, we changed our mind. We're not going to pay for your rent. And it was like, okay. I mean, I can't make them give me the money. So we took money from our personal support that had been raised to help our family live. And we diverted some of those funds to cover the rent. And my part-time job became a full-time job. I switched from one coffee shop to another coffee shop, which paid more money and had more flexible hours and started going to work at 4 a.m. in the morning to make sure the coffee shop was open by 4.45. And I worked until noon. and, And then I would go over to the church with lots of espresso in my system and I'd you know, connect with people and try to reach out to those that were part of this new church that had started and, and, and try to get them to you know, really lean into Jesus and, and, and become a part of this congregation. And, and we were a few months in and I also recognized that this other organization, this church that I had been connected with, this church that I love deeply, I reached out to them because their checks hadn't arrived either. And remember, that was a third of our support. And when I reached out to them, they said, oh yeah, that commitment we made, that was just if we had the money and we don't have the money, so don't expect anything from us. And it was kind of said that flippantly, like it wasn't that big of a deal. And these two organizations that I love, two organizations with leaders that I trusted, in that moment, I started to to carry some bitterness in my heart towards them. What they had done in that moment had hurt me. They'd made commitments. They'd made promises. It would have been better for them not to have made any promises if they were going to be that flippant about those promises. But they had made the promises, and I had trusted them because I knew them, because I loved them, because I respected them. I believed that they would be people of their word, and then they weren't. And there may have been lots of good reasons and they may have had all kinds of rational thought going on in their mind and in their boardrooms to make the decisions that they made. But none of that mattered to me because I had seen them as people that I could trust. They'd made a promise and they failed to keep their promise and it hurt my heart. Now, I wanna be really clear that, that they have to own their actions. What they did is what they did and we can't go back and fix that. And what they did hurt me. But the problems that came in my life as a result of that moment weren't the fault of those leaders. Yeah, what they did wasn't right, and it did hurt me. But the reality is is that the problems that came in my life from that moment were my fault because I did not guard my heart. And when my heart was hurt, I did not do what I needed to do to go towards healing in my life. And so from from that moment, that pain was inflicted, it poisoned my heart because I wasn't guarding my heart. And bitterness began to grow inside of me. Every time I'd go to work at four in the morning, which already wasn't a happy time because it's four in the morning, under my breath, I would mutter, all kinds of ill will towards those people. Because I would think to myself, I have to do this because you didn't keep your promise. And I blamed them and I said, it's all their fault and it's all because of them. And I'm going through a hard time right now because they weren't people of their word. And that carried on day after day and week after week. And pretty soon that bitterness grew to anger to the point where I was, I was literally asking God to get them. I know none of you have ever prayed prayers like this except when the person cuts you off and then you think, where's the police officer when you need him? Then you're praying for God to get him, right? I was praying for God to get these people to show them that what they did was wrong and they shouldn't have done it and they should pay for what they did to me. And pretty soon that anger became hatred. I hated them. A pastor trying to lead a new church with full of new Christians, but in my heart, harboring hatred towards other people who claim the name of Jesus. And I would like to say that God just reached down and told me the errors of my ways and I repented and confessed and, and it was this wonderful come to Jesus moment and everything changed in my life. But the reality is, is that it didn't. We got to a place in our life where we went through all of our savings as a family. We knew church planting was gonna require some extra money invested from us and we had saved up and we blew through all of that money because we didn't have the money that had been promised to us. And our church wasn't big enough to cover that, that need that had been created. And so, so I was working, but it wasn't enough. And we were using our savings and then our savings was gone and and I remember going to the grocery store and buying groceries for my family on my credit card. Which by the way isn't a good financial strategy. You should not pay interest on cereal. But we didn't have the money. And so that's what I did. And our credit card debt was going like this and our savings was completely gone. And my heart was dark. Our church plant didn't succeed. No wonder the pastor had a dark, hard, broken heart. And he hated people. But our church ended up closing. We moved. We took a small little church in rural Delaware in a little place called Roxana. There's one little blinking light. It's, it's not even a town. It's got a name, but it's not a town. They refused to become a town when that option was given to them. They said, no, thank you. We will stay just like we are with our 28 homes and our one blinking light and we went to this little town. I remember going to this church to candidate and they asked me to be their pastor. And I thought, how much money do they have in the bank? Can they pay me? Can they pay me at least long enough for me to figure out what I wanna be after I'm done being a pastor? because my heart was dark and it was full of bitterness and anger and hatred. And it poisoned everything in my life. I mean, I just got to a place where I didn't want to be around people. You can ask my wife. I didn't want to be around anyone. I just hated life. I hated ministry and I wasn't even sure I loved God anymore. And I just trace back to the moment when the when the hurt was inflicted I wasn't guarding my heart. I let that influence and impact and infect my heart with a poison and that poison spread throughout my whole life and it impacted every single thing that I was doing and it was literally moving me away from being a pastor and and there were literally moments in that season where I thought to myself I'm not gonna follow Jesus anymore because if his people can't be trusted then he can't be trusted And I was that close to walking away from Jesus. So I'm not here today just to say, hey, I studied a few verses of scripture and I wanna tell you what the Bible says. I'm telling you right now, you must guard your heart for out of it flows every part of your life, including your relationships. And if your heart is sick and poisoned and unhealthy and broken, it will impact every other part of your life and keep you from the life that God wants you to live. This is one of the ways that the enemy works in our lives to keep us from becoming who God wants us to be but if you will let God do a work in your heart if you will if you will let him heal your heart and restore your heart and remake your heart he's going to do something wonderful and special and and he's going to help you guard your heart and he's going to watch over your heart and out of that heart that is alive in him you will find life the way it was intended to be lived including life in your relationships. I have a friend who uh, is on staff at a church, and uh, she's in charge of a ministry there called Celebrate Recovery. And some of you have heard of this ministry, and I'm not going to talk a lot about Celebrate Recovery today, but but I do want to kind of talk to you for a few minutes about some of the things that they say. But before I get into that, I want to just ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your heart today? Are there wounds that have been inflicted on you that you're carrying around today? Are there things in your heart, patterns of behavior that have been making your heart hardened and rigid? And is there bitterness or anger? Are there emotions inside of your heart that that they're real emotions? We shouldn't deny them or push them aside as if they're not real. They're very real. But if you evaluate those emotions, you recognize those aren't the emotions God wants me to have. I'm I'm not filtering what I'm feeling through God's truth. I'm letting what I'm feeling just guide my life without considering what God's truth says. How's your heart today? I want you to think about that as we talk about the things we're going to talk about in the rest of this message. So Celebrate Recovery, uh, this is really just a ministry that helps people find freedom from the things in life that keep them from becoming what God wants them to be. Some of the things that we've been talking about. And they, they often talk about in Celebrate Recovery three things that tend to hold us back. And these are three things that all of us experience it's not just a certain group of people who experience them. We all experience them. The question is not, "Will we experience them?" The question is, "What will we do when they come into our life? How will we respond to them?" And the three things that celebrate recovery talks about are hurts, habits, and hangups. Hurts, habits. And hang-ups. and if you're familiar with Celebrate Recovery, you already know what these terms mean. But for those of you who aren't, let me just give you some definitions for how they describe these three things. Hurts are emotional reactions to another person's behavior or to a disturbing situation. So when those leaders made the decisions that they made, they were doing something and that hurt me. It came into my life. I I didn't have any control of whether or not that came into my life, and you don't have control over whether it comes into your life. You're going to experience hurts. People are going to do things, or you're going to come across situations that will hurt you. Examples, some examples include things like abuse, abandonment, divorce, relationship issues. These are all wounds that can leave emotional scars inside of our lives. And again, they're going to come against us. We're going to experience them. You're not going to go through life without hurts. It's just part of life. The second word that they give is habits. Habits are addictive, compulsive, or dysfunctional behaviors. These are things that we just repetitively do, even though they're harmful and in some cases destructive for our lives. We just keep going back to them because we think that somehow they're going to provide some kind of release or or they're going to get us out of the situation we're in, or they're at least going to give us some kind of pleasure in the middle of that situation. And so we keep going back to those things could be substance abuse like drugs or alcohol, but it could also be eating disorders. It could be gambling or sexual addiction or any any other behavior that one keeps repeating even though it can be harmful to your life. So, we have hurts and we have habits. Third are hang ups. These are negative mental attitudes that are used to cope with people or adversity. So, when I let bitterness and anger begin to take root in my heart and started like wishing ill towards people, that was a coping mechanism. It was a hang up. The hurt had come in. I didn't let God heal that hurt. I just let it turn to bitterness and anger. And then I was just out to get those people. Things that are in this category include things like anger, depression, fear, or unforgiveness. These are persistent negative thoughts or feelings that lead to unhealthy behaviors in our lives. Now, I I introduce you to those three words because I just think there's a really good chance that you have at least one of them that's in your heart today. Like if, if you were coming to the heart doctor today and we could run a test to see what's in your heart, we would likely find one of those. We might find two of them. We might even find all three. So what do you do when you find hurts or habits or hangups inside of your heart? Well, again, if you were coming to the heart doctor today, I'm not a heart doctor, but I'm going to play one because I slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night, okay? (laughs) I'm going to give you some biblical prescriptions for each one of these. I'm going to just share with you what the Bible says and how the Bible addresses each one of these. So let's talk first about hurts. If you have hurts inside of your heart today, what you need is you need God to heal your heart. Psalm 147, verse 3 says this He heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. The word brokenhearted is two words put together, but the word used here for heart is the same word used in Proverbs 4.23. So you're supposed to guard your heart when it's whole and healthy and strong and vibrant, but if for some reason hurts attack your heart and it becomes broken, the good news from God's word is that God comes and he can heal the broken hearted. He can put your heart back together again. He can address that hurt, that wound, that damage that's been done by other people that you couldn't stop and you couldn't control. God can now come in in the middle of that and put it all back together again. God does that work and he wants to do that work for you today. If you find yourself in a place where habits have brought impurities and dysfunction and damage and poison into your life, and it's taking your life down a harmful path, a broken path, a path that's leading to destruction. If you just let it play out till the end, if you find yourself in that place today, and if your heart has become hard and it's become, become rigid and it's it's easily broken and easily shattered in this season, I want to just let you know that God can give you a brand new heart in the book of Ezekiel there's a great passage of scripture Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 22 through 27 it's a it's a passage of scripture that I want us to read this morning and I want you to be encouraged by what God is willing to do for you and you just need to know that God's speaking through Ezekiel. He's telling Ezekiel, can you tell the people this message? And if you, if you understand the people that Ezekiel's writing to, it's the people of God, the people of Israel, and they're in a situation where they're in exile. They've actually been kicked out of their homeland. They've been scattered now because they were unfaithful to God. They turned away from God. They worshiped idols and the false gods of all the nations around them. In in some places, God says, you committed adultery against me. We were in a covenant relationship, and you went and cheated on me with other gods. And they find themselves in exile as a result of that. They're not doing what God wants them to do. Their life is not pure or holy or living in the way God wants them to live. And God says to Ezekiel, hey, can you tell my people this? Listen to what God says to his people. He says, tell the people this message from the sovereign Lord. I'm bringing you back. Think about it after they turned their back on God and cheated on God and went after their own directions in life, God says, I'm gonna bring you back. He goes on to say, but not because you deserve it. It's good to be reminded of that, isn't it? God didn't welcome you into his family because you did something really good one day. God welcomes you back into his family because of who he is not because of who you are. He welcomes you back because of what he's done, not because of what you've done. If we were going on what we've done, we wouldn't have a chance. But it's not about us, it's about God, it's about his character, it's about his work. And so God says, I'm bringing you back, not because you deserve it, but because of my name. He goes on to say, this is the name on which you've brought shame among the nations. He says, I'm going to reveal my holiness through you. I'm going to change your life before the eyes of those other nations. I'm going to show them how good and powerful and gracious and kind and forgiving I am by the way that I work in your life. And I'm going to put my holiness on display through your life, even though right now you're going down a wrong path. And then he says, I'm gonna gather you up from all the nations, I'm gonna bring you home again into your land, and then this is the part I really want you to see this morning. He says, then I'm gonna sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you're no longer gonna worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. By the way, this is the same word used in Proverbs four twenty three. Guard your heart. God says, if your hearts become hard with impurities and sin, don't worry, I'll just give you a new one. We'll start over. He says, your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. I'll give you a new heart, and I'm gonna put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. In other words, I'm gonna just reorient your whole life. You'll go a completely different direction now. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am in your life. Yeah, that's worth a clap, absolutely. If you have hurts God wants to heal your heart if you have habits God wants to cleanse you and give you a brand new heart if you have hang-ups that have taken root in your heart giving you chaos and anxiety and worry and doubt and fear and depression all the stuff that comes when our hearts are not set on God and his way you need God to wash over your heart and give you peace Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. And his peace is gonna guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the reality is, is that there are things that come into our life and and they become hang-ups for us. There are ways that we cope and and, and when we turn to those things: depression, doubt, fear, anxiety chaos of running after this and after that. What we need is to build our hearts on something that's solid and stable and not shifting. And this passage says, if you just stop worrying, pray, God's going to pour out his peace on you. It's going to wash over your heart and it's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And and you're not even going to be able to understand it. You won't even be able to comprehend it. God's just gonna do something so great in your life that even though the world around you seems to be falling apart, you're gonna find peace in the middle of it. And it's gonna guard your heart and it's gonna guard your mind in Christ Jesus. So back to my story. I land at this little church 35 or 40 people and my heart was dark it was black with sin with hatred with a hunger to just run away from the church run away from God and have nothing to do with faith or the ministry that God had called me to. And this little group of people, the church, they loved me. They looked the other way when I would sneak out of the church building and go back to the parsonage across the parking lot to work from home. That was before remote working was even a thing. But the only work I did was just get into bed and just try to sleep so that I didn't have to think about what was going on in my heart. during the first 18 months I was there, I never wrote a sermon. I just preached old ones because they had never heard them before. Because I didn't want to do the hard work of praying. I didn't want to do the hard work of studying. I just wanted to show up, do my job, and get my check while I figured out what my next career was going to be. But because I was a pastor of this church, there was a district superintendent named Stan Hoover. And he just refused to give up on me. He loved me and he spoke into my life. And he said, hey, we've got this group of pastors and there's, there's supposed to be 10 people in this group and I only have nine pastors and I want you to be the 10th one. And I thought, what are you serving for lunch? And he said that they were gonna have ribs for lunch. And I was like, amen. So I went to this meeting in Annapolis, Maryland. I drove the hour and a half from our church to get there. And there was a lady there by the name of Janetta Herrera. Some of you know her because her father started this church. Janetta was leading a group to help pastors Discover what God wanted to do in and through their life so that they could, in turn, as healthy pastors, lead healthy churches. And Janetta loved me. She kept saying to me over and over and over again, even when I didn't ask her to, she would say, You are not a failure, you failed. You didn't get a church started that's in the ground. That's okay, you can admit that. Sometimes we try things for God and they don't work. you failed, but you are not a failure. That's not who you are. And she would say that to me over and over and over again. And she would say, God is done with you. And I would think, I'm pretty sure he is. And she just kept speaking it into my life. And then there was a guy at our church named Reggie. Every pastor needs a Reggie. He would invite our family to come to lunch. Did I say I've never shared this publicly before? So I'm so sorry that you're seeing this mess up here. but he would invite our family to lunch. And for all of the time we were planting a church to eat out was like, it was like being a king because we didn't have the money. And we lived at this church while it was just a blinking light with 28 homes. It was only six miles from the ocean, which was awesome by the way. We should get an ocean in Indiana. But these restaurants were more expensive. I wanted to be a good pastor, so we would go to lunch and tell our kids, like, hey, we're gonna share one meal. And Reggie would say, no, no, no. Everybody order exactly what you want. Whatever you want, you get it off that menu because I'm taking care of the bill. And for the four years we were at that church, I bet you there was only eight Sundays that we didn't eat out. And I don't think we ever paid for a meal. Reggie and Dolores and another couple named Ron and Gail, they would take us out and they would determine who was paying for us that Sunday and they loved us. Reggie would come into the office on Thursday or Friday And he would say, hey, pastor, here's a $20 bill. Everybody needs some running around money at the end of the week. And I want to make sure you've got some running around money for your family. Remember that credit card bill that I talked about? We never told anybody how much we had in credit card debt. But God knew And God talked to Reggie, who happened to be the vice chair of our board. And somehow that board decided that they were gonna give us a check to pay off any debt that we might have on that credit card. And they gave us a check that was exactly the amount. And I remember getting to the end of that first year. I remember getting to the end of that first year. And I remember thinking to myself, Even though I wanted to walk away from God, even though I wanted to turn my back on him, God was not gonna turn his back on me. He was not gonna be unfaithful. And I remember standing, I'd done some assignment that Janetta had given us, which I thought was dumb. But I did it because I knew I was gonna have to give a report on it and we had done this assignment. We were supposed to take some time to reflect on it. And I put this assignment on our dining room table in the parsonage in Roxanna, Delaware. And we were supposed to ask God, God, what do you want me to see? And I I thought, well, I'll ask him. He's not gonna talk to me, but I'll ask him. And I just said, God, what do you want me to see? And just as clear as I've heard any voice in my life, God said, is there any doubt that I have called you? And in that moment, I had to say, no, God, there's no doubt. And then God said, then you need to serve me for the rest of your life. And I made a commitment in that moment, I wasn't healthy, it wasn't like, you know, angels from heaven started singing and everything was fine again. But that was the moment my healing started. And I stand here today, or sit here today, as a person whose heart is healthy, and full and alive with the life of God not because of who I am or what I've done but because of the work and the grace and the love and the mercy of God and some of you today have hurts and habits and hangups that are keeping you from exactly what God wants you to be in this life and experience everything that God has for you to experience and before we go any further in this series to talk about relationships and how to make them better and extraordinary you need God to do a work in your heart and so this morning i want to just give you an opportunity to respond to that call to let god do a work in your heart And so this morning if we can just with heads bowed and eyes closed nobody looking around how many of you would just by raising your hand today just acknowledge There's something in my heart that if I'm honest, it's not healthy and it's not right. Maybe it's a fresh wound. Maybe it just happened this week. Maybe it's one that's been from years and years and years ago. But you would just say by raising your hand, I've got an unhealthy heart and I need God to do something that only he can do. Just raise your hand up because I want to pray for you this morning if that's you. can put your hands down. God, I'm just grateful that the sovereign Lord is in this room right now. The one who has the ability to take out stony stubborn hearts and replace them with tender responsive ones the one who's able to take our broken hearts and put them back together again heal them and bind up our wounds the one who is able in this moment to pour out peace and take away all the chaos and the anxiety and the depression and the hurt and the fear and the doubt god you are able to do a heart transplant in our lives this morning and I am praying for every hand that was raised dozens of them across this room and those who are joining us online I am praying right now God in this moment that you would begin a healing work Lord as we speak those hurts to you as we speak those habits to you as we speak those hang ups to you as we just lift them to you and agree that those are part of our unhealthy heart right now God we surrender them to you and we ask you to do a new work inside of us for your name put your power your grace your love your truth your mercy on display through our lives let us be a living testimony of who you are and how you work and God for all that you do we're going to give you the praise now before you open your eyes I wanna just give those a moment who maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. And that's the most important thing to just let Jesus have control of your heart to say, I've been trying to live for myself, to go my own way, to do my own thing. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus and you want to make a decision in this moment to give him your heart and to give him your life and to follow him for the rest of your days, I want you to lift your hand because I want to pray for you specifically that you would be able to walk with Jesus for the rest of your days. So if that's you, just raise your hand up high. I see that hand. I see those hands back there. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? God, right now, I pray for these four individuals who have raised their hands pray right now, God, in this moment that they would just surrender their lives to you. Lord, everything that that they've done, the choices they've made, the life they've lived in this moment by putting their faith and their trust in you, you can forgive them and you are forgiving them right now in this moment. You're welcoming them into your family. You're giving them the right to be called children of God and your spirit is being poured out in their life right now and your spirit is testifying with their spirit that in this very moment, They are children of God and they can now call you their father. Do a saving work in them right now. And God, whatever they've done, wherever they've been, whatever they've walked down in this life, God, I pray that you would redeem them, restore them and give them a brand new start today. If anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. So God, make these four brand new creations in you for your glory and your honor. And God, walk with them from this day forward in this community to help them become everything that you want them to be. And God, for all that you do, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise. We love you today, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. We celebrate what God is doing for people, giving their hearts to Christ. God doing a work in our lives. He is alive and he is active. And we're going to celebrate him as we close this service. Pastor Jessica, come and give us some...